These words may be familiar to many of us, but as we read them today, may they uh, strike our hearts with new truth and with new life and faith. Hear the word of the Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when He blows upon them. And they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength. Mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary. The young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. A word of personal thanks for all of the prayers and all of the thoughts and goodies and everything else that uh, you all are sharing with me and my family in this time, please know that we are deeply grateful uh, for all of you and for being a part of your church family. Today we are going to talk about the greatness of God. Behold the greatness of God. It's before us. Whether we are looking for it or not, it's before us. And one of the things that we can start off with is rhetorical questions. Now, let me describe to you the first rhetorical question I ever remember hearing. My mother was in the garden. I think she was picking green beans or field peas, I don't know which. But I was digging in the ground and I found a bottle and there was a brick wall nearby. And so I cast that bottle into the brick wall and it shattered into I don't know how many pieces. And my mom asked me a question which I did not know then was a rhetorical question, but I learned that it was. 
She said, did you throw that bottle into the wall and break it? I thought she was looking for information. So as a child, I said, no. I soon realized that what she meant was, I saw you throw that bottle into the brick wall and break it. A rhetorical question is a question that answers itself. And so we begin our text today with a rhetorical question, actually a series of them. And if you want to know in the Bible or any other literature what a rhetorical question means, you just turn it into a statement. So the question, have you not known, really means, you know. Have you not heard? You have heard. Has it not been told to you from the beginning? You have known it all along, especially those of us who have grown up in church. There are things that we have known all along from from very early on. Those of us that didn't grow up in church and maybe have lived out in the world for a long time and made our way to church still recognize that there's something about the fingerprints of God that we see, whether we're looking at the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Canyon or the sunset from our back porch, or whether we're looking at the patterns of a millipede and how their legs work together and flow. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth, as we'll see later, God says there's no excuse for those who look around. You understand from the foundations of the earth, from the very beginning, people have understood the greatness of God. And so, this series of rhetorical questions really mean this. You've known. You've heard. It's been told to you from the beginning. You have understood forever. Now this is figurative language. Obviously this is figurative language when we talk about God being above and us being below. Now finish this sentence. That's a deep hole you're digging there. If you keep on digging like that, you're going to wind up in China. Turns out that's not true. I actually did something this week and found out that if you dig directly straight down from Danville, Kentucky, you will wind up in the middle of the Indian Ocean halfway between Africa and Australia. The interesting thing about that is if we were to dig all the way through the earth and end up halfway between Africa and Australia they would think that up is in the direction that we consider down. And they would consider the clouds that are above us to be way, way, way below them. So understand here that we're talking about figurative language. When we say that God is above us, we're not talking spatially. We're talking that God is grander than we are. God is more powerful than we are. God is above and we are below in a way that means that God has greatness and infinitude. There's no limit to God, whereas we have a limited nature and we are finite. It's metaphorical language. These rhetorical questions call us to You've known, you've heard, 
It's been told to you from the beginning. You've understood forever that God is great. And not only is God great, but God has power over history. Listen to the way Isaiah describes God's power over history. God is the one who brings princes to naught and who makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted. Scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when He blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. One of my favorite figures in the ancient world uh, had a reign that was not well understood until they found the capital that he built. Uh, in the ancient world, the pharaoh Akhenaten decided that he was going to change the course of Egyptian life. He saw all of the gods the Egyptians worshipped and Akhenaten said, there can only be one god. Akhenaten was right that there's only one God. He's wrong in that he thought the God was the sun. So he built this capital city in honor of the God of the sun that he, that he worshipped. He built this capital city. And as soon as he died, not of natural causes, the city was abandoned. And everyone went back to his or her own way and millennia later, archaeologists found the old city where the king for, for a few years ruled Egypt. But scarcely was he planted, scarcely was he sown, scarcely had his stem taken root upon the earth when suddenly it was all over and the tempest had carried him away. There's a wonderful world history chart that's about five feet long. And, and here, this chart goes from about 1250 B.C. To, to 900 B.C. And you can see the major players at the time. Okay, so we've got the Hittites. We've got the Assyrians. We've got the Indians. And we have the Chinese. We have the Hebrews who around 1000 B.C. are exercising their, their power. Now, when you look at who is powerful between the years 1250 B.C. and 900 and, and compare that to the very bottom of the chart. Now, by the way, this chart was made between World War I and World War II. So, this doesn't consider even most of the 20th century. But, but understand that China's still got some Influence. China's influence never goes away. But between 1750 and 800, the sun never set on the British Empire. So the British Empire was at its height. Uh, the United States um, takes off from the early 1700s, late 1600s, and becomes a force to be reckoned with in the early 20th century. But, but my point is that it's, you see these streams of empires that have risen and fallen over the years. We see God's power over history. God is God, 
when the Hittites were at their height. God is God when first the Moabites stepped on to the scene. God is God in the Middle Ages or when the British Empire was at its apex. God is God in every period of history reminding us that history is moving from beginning to end and all throughout God is God. God's power over history is also put up alongside God's power as the Creator. And He asks another couple of rhetorical questions. To whom will you then compare Me? Meaning, I am not comparable to anyone you know. Who is My equal? I am unrivaled, says the Lord unequaled lift up your eyes on high and see who created these he who brings out their hosts and numbers them calling them all by name because he is great in strength mighty in power not one is missing light pollution is not a terrible thing in Danville If you go outside and step into your backyard or on your back porch, you may see Orion. You may see the Milky Way if you stand outside long enough. You may see the skies that are filled with everything from our nearest star besides the sun, Alpha Centauri, at a mere four light years away to galaxies that that are just unbelievably distant. Lift up your eyes and see. Who created these? It's a rhetorical question. God is the creator of all that is, seen and unseen. God created the blade of grass behind the church and also the most distant galaxy that the Hubble telescope hasn't even gotten an image of yet. He brings out their hosts and numbers them, calling them all by name. From the blade of grass in the field behind the church to the rings of the planets that make their way around and around our sun to Alpha Centauri to the Milky Way and the countless galaxies beyond, God is above all and in all and through all. And if you walk out tonight and look up, if there are no clouds and see the planets and the stars, you may say with the writer of Psalm 19, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament, the dome of the sky proclaims His handiwork. Later in Isaiah, The Lord says, My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens, and when I summon them, they stand at attention. Dear friends, God has power over history, and God is the creator of all that is seen and unseen, 
And so we come to the question, the question the Israelites were asking in the day of Isaiah, the question that makes all of this, makes all of this come to bear. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my right is disregarded by God. Why do we think we're forgotten, hidden, that God does not hear our laughter and that God does not see our tears and that God does not know when in the depths of the night we come to the bedside of a sleeping child and pray for God's blessing upon that child? Why do we think we're alone when the God of history says I am with you why do we think we're too small to see when God says I know the deepest thoughts of the human heart so once again we're back to these rhetorical questions have you not known yes you've known Have you not heard? Yes, you've heard. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I get tired. I get tireder now than when I was 25. That's how I know I'm not 25 anymore. My granddaughter was visiting for the weekend, and so just the fact that I am a grandfather tells me that something has happened in life. We're having a little bit of a a little bit of a question over what I'm going to be called. Uh, Everyone would like for me to be called grandpa. I just like grandfather. (laughs) Melinda says, that's too formal. It is. It'll end up being grandpa, I'm sure. But I get tired. You probably do too. Sometimes I find it, especially if I go to bed late, hard to get out of bed. And I told you about my new alarm system. Well, we had company over the weekend. And so the, the, the barcode that I usually scan is in the restroom upstairs where I look in the mirror and brush my teeth. And so I get up and scan the barcode and brush my teeth. Well, I decided to scan the barcode on the bottom of my coffee this morning so that I would wake up to this barcode My alarm won't stop going off until I scan the barcode. So before I went to bed last night, I scanned the barcode on the bottom of my coffee bag. And this morning I get up and I go downstairs and I scan the barcode on the bottom of my coffee bag. And it says barcode not recognized. And so my alarm won't stop going off. It goes off again and again and again, and I can silence it for 59 seconds. And and then I saw this emergency. Like, what happens if you can't do it? There's an emergency button. So I pressed the emergency button, and I kid you not, the emergency wake-up is a series of screens filled with sheep. There are about 50 sheep on each screen, and the screen changes every three seconds. There are about 50 sheep on each screen, 
one of the 50 is standing. And you have to poke the one that's standing. But you don't have to poke the one that's standing 10 times or 12 times or 25 times. You have to poke the one who is standing 333 times to get your alarm to stop going off. Suffice it to say, I was well awake by the time I had identified the 333rd sheep. I'm glad God does not faint or grow weary. When you're awake and tired at 2.30 in the morning and praying and wondering if God's listening, God doesn't sleep. He who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. When you don't have any more energy and you wonder if the God to whom you call out does, He is strong. He is mighty. You have heard. You have known. The eternal God has made us. He doesn't get tired. He knows all things. He strengthens the powerless. Even those among us who are strong get tired. But those who wait for the Lord will find renewal. Those who wait for the Lord will find renewal. Now, sometimes that's a renewal of bodily strength. You or somebody you know has probably had the the good fortune of having someone in the family who's developed some kind of pain in the side and they're like, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm just going to deal with it. The doctor would never have any good news for me. For 18 months, they dealt with this pain in the side and finally, children have said, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. And with all that wondering about what's he going to tell me, what's going to happen... Oh, it's a nerve, and you just need a little bit of physical therapy. And after, after three rounds of physical therapy, it's cut in half. And after six rounds of physical therapy, it's like, why didn't I go to the doctor 18 months ago? Sometimes this renewal is a renewal of bodily strength. When you've got arthritis and suddenly the right medication comes along that Cuts the pain. Sometimes it's a renewal of the strength of the spirit when our spirits are downtrodden, when we weep through the night, believing with all that we can that joy comes in the morning. Sometimes it's a renewal of the strength of the spirit in that once we had faith and then we cried out with that Father in the Gospels, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And God has flooded our souls with faith. Sometimes it's the renewal of broken relationships, things that have happened years ago that we thought would never never be over with. And by God's grace, He gives us time and opportunity to, to heal those broken relationships. Sometimes it's an emotional state. We're just down. We don't know why. Our serotonin levels in our brains are just not right. And we we feel ourselves plunging into the darkness. 
And maybe it's through medical intervention. Maybe it's through exercise. Maybe it's through a conversation with a friend who helps us see our world differently. Sometimes it's the renewal of our emotional reality. And sometimes it's the renewal that comes with the renewal of all things. Sometimes it's the renewal that comes when the trumpet sounds, the dead are raised incorruptible and the perishable put on imperishability and the mortal put on immortality. And then the saying is fulfilled, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're invited to see this, to see the power of God at work in history, to see that God has created all that is seen and unseen. In the book of Romans, ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things He has made. So people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. and Their senseless minds were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Paul is saying that we can look at the world and we can see the power of God at work and even those who are far away, even those who don't have the benefit of worship in a church every day should be able to look in the world and see that there is a power behind it that should be revered and held in awe. There's kind of a humorous story in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas are out and and miracles are taking place. And as they're wandering around and miracles are taking place, Paul and Barnabas suddenly find out that the people in the town think that they're Zeus and Hermes. And they bow down to worship Paul and Barnabas. And they, they say, friends, why are you doing this? We're mortals just like you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things, these other ways of worship to the, to the living God. And who is this living God? The one who made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to follow their own ways, yet he has not left himself without a witness in doing good giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Dear Christians, you are not forgotten. The sailor who went down in the submarine in World War II and rests at the bottom of the ocean 
is not forgotten. The astronauts of the space shuttle Challenger who perished someplace between heaven and earth are not forgotten. Your cousin who lives in the middle of Idaho and doesn't really want to be around people. Some people say, I like dogs better than I like people. And there are certainly people who are like that. Who go off to themselves, but make no mistake, they are not forgotten. You are not forgotten, and you are called to worship You are called to recognize the power, the goodness of God as it flows through history, as it flows through this created order. And you are called to remember that sometimes waiting is appropriate. Your homework is to memorize a verse of Scripture this afternoon. Verse 31 of chapter 40, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes we wait. But in our waiting, we know that the God who has given us His Spirit, who has sent His Son, who wants nothing more than our full salvation, will come and will make us new. As we go today into our sacrament of Holy Communion, we remember that the one who makes us new gives Himself for us and gives himself to us. We remember that on the night in which he gave himself for us. Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to the Father. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to the Father, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these God's mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. O God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts here and scattered throughout this worship space of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ 
redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. And with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.